isn't Bitcoin used by like criminals? Like, I feel like they were like banning it in certain countries because like criminals are using it. Like, I don't like I don't want to use money that criminals use. I think that we have to talk about it enough to the point that it's easy to talk about and it's easy to digest and it's easy to explain to other people. Look, I know you're doing well. I know that you're not strapped for cash. Good chat. I'm going to finish my chai latte now. All the foam is gone. And so there are so many countries around the world where the value of their currency just isn't worth anything and it cannot compete with the dollar. And because of that, they said, we're going to overhaul our whole financial system and we are going to adopt the Bitcoin standard, which means we're going to operate on Bitcoin. You're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Recepies. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience-funded without ads or sponsors. Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. <laughs> See, our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media. And of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin. And the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money. And so if you want to support us. Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola to Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Sawadee, Thailand. Hola, Brazil. Namaskara, Nepal. Good day, Canada. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. Buongiorno, Italy. And, and howdy, howdy to, to Texas. Texas. And of course, hello to the Netherlands. And hello to everyone else listening out there. Hey, what time is it, babe? The current time is 811-769. And that's all I got for you today. And that's because we were not planning on recording, but we got some new equipment. That's right. Your girl has a soundboard. Apologies, everyone. Apologies. Um, (laughs) I didn't even do that right. I'm not going to use those sounds. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to make any promises. This is a lot of fun. Okay. Um, The air horn, Ian is really encouraging me not to use. (laughs) but that aside, sound effects aside, we got a soundboard and Ian set it up and we have uh, an upgraded recording situation. And I was so excited. I said, let's just record an episode. Yeah. So here we are. Um, Hopefully we can edit these tracks a little easier now that we're not on the same microphone. And hopefully we sound a little better. I, I feel like there was room for improvement. I mean, 
It sounds better in my headphones. It sounds better in my headphones. I mean, we, having, we didn't have headphones yeah, before. Yeah, having headphones lets you know how you sound. We're going right? in blind so, <laughs> or deaf. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, hopefully this gets us to uh, the next level of quality for you guys. Um, it's a it's a long-term investment. But one of the things that this lets us do is patch other audio in. So if we wanted to do like a phone call patch in, or if we wanted to patch out to like, say live streaming or something like that, which is not in the cards anytime soon, but like this kind of opens the door for us to try some other ideas that we've had that just would have been a little bit harder with our previous setup. So let the experimentation begin. Also as strange as it is, because like there's more barriers to Ian right now, like Instead of using one mic, we're using our own mics. We have headphones on. I, for some reason, this is just a little bit more flirty. It's exciting. Yeah. Gets me going. I'm excited. Um, I think probably because before I had to sit in a kind of uncomfortable chair and I have this like lounging chair in our basement that we just had a bunch of stuff on. But with this new mic set up, your girl can recline. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's why I'm feeling flirty. London is all about the... Uh... The reclining. I love, okay. Ian would not let me get a recliner. He is like fundamentally opposed to. I'm definitely opposed to recliners in the living room. Yeah. But then we were having a baby and I was like, I'm going to need a recliner in the nursery. <laughs> I put my foot down and I loved it so much. I still love it. I still use it. I, I just don't recline on it as much anymore. But those first few months. episode, we talked about tackling these conversations about Bitcoin with different personas, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that we can try to help facilitate those conversations with people who are trying to onboard people they love in their lives onto Bitcoin or to really understand maybe some of the urgency that you are a Bitcoiner or not a Bitcoiner like me, but you know, you're flirting. Um, you might be feeling because the having is coming up, right? So we did a persona last episode of immigrant who's older, is trying to wrap their head around what Bitcoin is. I think this week it only makes sense for us to tackle the yuppie elite. I mean... We could tackle the yuppie elite. I feel like the article itself has tackled the yuppie elite pretty well that I always reference when I use the term yuppie elite (laughs) because I didn't come up with that term. But I do think that the yuppie elite is a a large contingent of people that are probably going to miss out. I think the previous persona that you were talking about, maybe not necessarily an immigrant, but just in general, like older people. Um, who are planning for retirement, I think it's easier to make the case to them because they're starting to think about money long term and they've been around for a while and they've seen the things inflate. So they understand that effect. And I think explaining how Bitcoin counteracts what they've seen over their entire lifetime of 60 to 70 years is very easy to eventually convey. But the yuppie elite aren't currently thinking about retirement, I would argue. Um, they're probably still working. They're probably in their best earning years and they're probably earning enough to like live day to day. And they don't think about a future where they might not be able to earn. And so I do think that they are the larger contingent. And then, but behind them you have, you know, basically 
uh, Gen Z or people that are just coming into the workforce who unfortunately for them are being forced to pay into these retirement plans like social security and probably are going to see even less than the yuppie elite will by the time they get to their retirement age. Yuppie itself means young urban professionals. And it generally captures a population of people who have extra spending money to throw around. They have good jobs. They live comfortable lives. They buy what they want. They go on vacations, right? Sure. Yeah, that that's that's the yuppie elite. Mm-hmm. Is there more to that or you just want me to co-sign on that definition? I thought I, I, mean, I thought it was important for us to define it because not everyone will know what a yuppie means. Sure, 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 sure. That's the yuppie part. Um, the, the elite part is more, you know, as the article refers to it, the elite part is people who have benefited from the system as it is mm. and don't see anything wrong with the current system. And it's, it's serving them because it's serving them. It may not be serving them the best, right? Like for example, uh, college tuition is very high and people have a lot of student loan debt, right? But that degree they got enables them to make two to $500,000 a year. And they just, in their mind are like, I'll work it off. And they're like, I'm playing the game. I knew what I was getting into. Sure. I'm playing yeah. it. I'm going to win. Exactly. And yeah. so like, that's the elite part of it. Right. So the yuppie is like young urban professionals. Sure. But not every young urban professional is really benefiting from the system. Mm-hmm. Like if you have five roommates that make $70,000 in one of the most expensive cities in the world, you're a yuppie. You're living in poverty. But you're not <laughs> yeah. thriving in the current setup. Um, so that second part, the elite part, is really, I think, the the more important part of the, those two words. Because when you try to explain something like Bitcoin to them, they are the ones that usually will bring up things like money laundering and child sex trafficking and stuff like that. Really? And like, who's okay. going to... Who's going to protect the kids? People are paying for all this stuff in Bitcoin now. Who's going to stop the child? You know, Really? Is, do people say that to you or have you seen that online? That is a common trope from the yuppie elite. Hmm. And they are, they think. Won't somebody think of the children? Yeah. I mean, they, in their minds, they think that that's the correct way to approach something is there are going to be bad actors. And so someone needs to be able to police the bad actors. And you're telling me that this thing has no police. Well, I don't think that's good then because I think someone should be able to be in control of everything. Right. Because the people who are in control now, it's like, you know, they're making sure it kind of works out for me. Um, yeah. I mean, more so like, you know, the elite don't. And again, we, the term is yuppie elite from the article. Uh, I don't want to call everyone who would fall into the category of yuppie elite, a parasite. Um, but elite is like a misnomer. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're not elite. They're not elite. They're not absolutely not. They're working class. I mean, working class. When I think of elite, I think of, you know, one in a million, Mm -hmm. one in 10 million, one in a hundred million. That's elite. You know, I'll just use sports as an example. Everyone knows who Michael Jordan is. No matter where you go on the planet, if you mention basketball, they're going to say Michael Jordan and or LeBron James. They are elite. Now every woman knows who Michael B. Jordan is. Am I right, ladies? Am I right? Because <laughs> as you said, Michael and Jordan, my mind just added the B. 
<laughs> sure. Um, but you also know who regular Michael Jordan is too, kind right? Kind of, but he's but not, the, you know, top of mind anymore. But the point I'm getting at is like Michael Jordan is an elite mm-hmm, athlete, athlete, right? Mm-hmm. He is one in a generation of athletes. Um, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, you know, they fall into this category. But there's a ton of guys who play basketball. I played basketball, right? Mm-hmm. So just because you play basketball in the NBA doesn't make you elite, mm-hmm. right? Like you're better than the majority of people on the planet. But even in that circle, Michael Jordan makes most of the people look like bums, right? So the elite part is a misnomer, but I think it conveys the point of the elite tend to be okay with the status quo, right? The elite are, for lack of a better term, okay with 2% inflation, right? And they will, they will repeat the talking points that Paul Krugman or at the current moment, Jerome Powell has said on whatever CNBC interview he's done most recently as to why we got to get down to 2% inflation because that's what they've heard their whole life. Never questioning, why is it 2%? So I have an idea for this conversation. Could we turn the tables and I be the Bitcoin expert and you be the up elite? Because it seems like you understand more what their criticisms are than I than I do. I mean, again, because I, I read the article, but sure, I'll play the I'll play the yuppie yeah, elite. Let's play it. Easy for me to play the yuppie elite. Are you ready to role play, babe? Sure. Let's <laughs> let's So I'm Ian and you are Yuppie elite. I'll just actually play myself. You know, I, I try to have these conversations with people in my life. A lot of them who are yuppie elite. So I'm going to be myself and you be whoever you want to be in this persona. I got a couple of people already mapped to this game. Awesome. Um, Hey, how's it going? Uh, can you hold on a second? I just got to pick up my Starbucks coffee. Give me one second. Yeah. Chai latte (laughs) for Brad. You know, you could spend that money instead on Bitcoin. Is that where you're getting at? <laughs> what? Is that what you're getting at? Like, uh, don't spend your money on Starbucks, buy Bitcoin instead? No, I'm saying the yuppie elite drink Starbucks. Oh, okay. All right. Have you ever seen me drink Starbucks? No. I see you drink coffee from other coffee shops, though. But have you ever seen me drink coffee from Starbucks? No, I have not. Signal number one, yuppie elite drink coffee from Starbucks. Okay. All right. So you're just taking on the persona. I'm taking on the persona. I was, I was picking up my coffee at Starbucks. Now, now, now we my can coffee. talk. I okay, have my great. chai latte. Chad, is that your name? No, it was Brad. Brad. <laughs> it was Brad with a B. Hey, Brad. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Have you been listening to our podcast? Uh, you know, I'm a little behind. I got to catch up on a couple episodes, but... For the most part. Yeah. So are you like in a good place? Do you feel like you understand Bitcoin? Are you putting money aside in it? Because, you know, the having is coming up and, you know, I, I don't want to push anything on you, but, um, I just want to make sure that like, you know, I've done my part and I've checked in on my friends and I've made sure that they're really considering getting in enough of their money into Bitcoin before the having comes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking at it, but I'm really just focusing on the stock market right now. I got this great YouTube channel that I watch. This guy like is teaching me how to trade stocks and trade options. And, you know, I made a killing during COVID. So, you know, I'm pretty set. But like Bitcoin is something I'm looking at. I'm looking at it. Do you understand what the having is? 
No, what's the having? Okay. So I think that's like, that was the aha moment for me really. Um, or one of the aha moments as like Ian was explaining it to me, how Bitcoin is different, first of all, from other cryptocurrencies, but also it's what creates the routine increase of value of Bitcoin. I'm, I don't know if that, I'm explaining that well, but basically every four years, or let me backtrack. Um, See, this is why I don't mess with this stuff because every time someone explains it to me, it's always like so complicated. Like, can you just simplify this? Yes, for me? Like, let me why? simplify. Do you understand Bitcoin mining? No. Okay. So essentially the way that money is printed currently, do you understand that? What do you mean by money is printed? That like dollars? governments print money. Yes. How dollars are printed. The mint prints dollars. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I understand how, how money works. Sure. But it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's created, right? It's not yeah, like gold that you mine in the ground. They print money. Sure. I mean, the government creates money. Like that's the government's job, right? Okay. So with Bitcoin, there is a protocol. So it's basically software that runs by its on its own. Who created this? Someone named Satoshi Nakamoto. It's an anonymous person who created it and he just put it out there in the world. There's a white paper that he first wrote to kind of pitch the idea. And then from there, about a year or two later, it got launched. And this was 14 years ago. Okay. So Satoshi Nakamoto is printing money now? No. Why do I want anonymous people printing money? So this is a protocol that prints money. So it's not a person. Um, He's not in charge of it. It it is decentralized. So you can't control it. There is a set way that it operates. And so initially there was a certain amount of Bitcoin that when you mined, which meant if there's, if you had a special computer program that was quote unquote mining Bitcoin for you, that active mining is supporting the protocol, which supports the, the network that Bitcoin is um, stored on and also transferred on. And so when you send money to someone right now, like let's say you're Venmoing someone, there's a whole system that's supporting that, right? It's software. Yeah. I got like $10,000 on my Venmo. So there you go. Think about what Venmo is and how it has to talk to all of these other systems. It has to like connect to your bank and those types of things. Right. So you're already experiencing how you're already experiencing electronic money. Yeah. But I mean, Venmo works. How is Bitcoin better than Venmo? Venmo works, but Venmo has Venmo. Yeah. Venmo works, but Venmo is a private company. And so they actually are, they have your $10,000. You don't have that money. Once you take it out, you have it, but they have your money right now. The difference with Bitcoin is when you transfer Bitcoin to a wallet that you have, which is like, you can think of that as your Venmo account. You're holding that. No one can take it from you. Once you have it, it's yours. Once you send it to someone else, it's theirs. There's nobody else that can control that. But Yeah, but like Venmo, like I've never had a problem with Venmo. Like, let's just say for the sake of argument that this Bitcoin thing that you're, you're trying to sell me here is better. I don't like, I don't have a problem with Venmo. I've been yeah. using Venmo for years so since, since college. So like, there's different ways to view Bitcoin. And so okay. one way to think about it is that it's a new form of currency. And 
that I think is really important. And I think seeing how it's a, it's a more improved version of currency is very important to understand. And it's so complicated that I don't think that's something that our brains can just quickly digest and understand and process in a conversation like this. The piece that I think you could understand and appreciate is that what the value of Bitcoin is today is not what it will be five, 10, 20, 30 years from now. It's new. And so having Bitcoin today at whatever price it is, it is the cheapest it will ever be. Yes, maybe last month it was worth more, last year it was worth a little bit more. But over time, year after year on average, it's going up. And the one of the reasons that is, is because more people, businesses, even countries are understanding how Bitcoin is going to be the global currency of the future. And so that's one side of it. The other side of it is the having. Every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that is mined for every block, it just means that when miners are mining Bitcoin, every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that they're rewarded for mining a block splits in half. So understanding supply and demand, which I assume you do if you're dabbling in stocks, right? Sure. That means that every four years, there's less Bitcoin coming in to the world. So what was going on 14 years ago with Bitcoin mining, we'll never have that again. We'll never have that opportunity to have that much supply out there for people to buy. So like the amount of Bitcoin that people were mining 14, even 10, five years ago, like you, miners will never be mining that much Bitcoin ever again. So as more people learn about what Bitcoin is and more people get into the Bitcoin game, whether it's um, buying it, whether it's building micro industries around it, like the, the vet, you know, there's a Ven, there's multiple Venmo versions of Bitcoin, right? Um, as all of those things are growing, there's less Bitcoin to, to have. I mean, this sounds really complicated. Um, and like, I appreciate you like trying to inform mm-hmm. me on this, but isn't Bitcoin used by like criminals? Like, I, I feel like they were like banning it in certain countries because like criminals are using it. Like, I don't like, I don't want to use money that criminals use. Like you use the dollar criminals use the dollar. Yeah, but like with the dollar, if you commit crimes with the dollar, they like freeze your bank accounts, right? Like, so people are less inclined to commit crime with the dollar. But if you commit crime with something that nobody controls. Are people less inclined to commit crime with the dollar? I mean, that's the that's the way people have been committing crime up until now. And Bitcoin actually can't like, be banned. And so when governments come out and make statements tr- saying that they're banning Bitcoin, it's misleading for a lot of different reasons. It might also just be ignorant. Like you said, Bitcoin's complicated, but you cannot ban Bitcoin. And it's because it's decentralized. Nobody controls it. They can't freeze your accounts. And it might feel comfortable and safe to know, well, I like the dollar because they can freeze accounts. But what's stopping them from freezing your Venmo account? What if you tweet something that gets you canceled and then people protest Venmo and they say, I know he has 10 grand and they freeze it. They'll freeze it. I mean, yeah, but I don't, I don't tweet that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you might've tweeted something 10 years ago that now is cancelable. Like. I'm sorry. I'm a nobody. Like I don't, 
Who's coming for me? Hey, on you might make a big Twitter. in the stocks. You might be really rich one day, and okay. then you're a target. Okay, but like if I get rich, I won't have my money in Venmo. Where will you have your money? Obviously, I'd have my money in some kind of wealth manager, right? You can like, freeze your funds as well. It's not yours if you don't hold it. And the only way up until now that people have remotely been able to say, like, I can hold my money in my hands is gold, right? Yeah. So, like, what's wrong with gold? How much gold can you store safely in your house without becoming a physical target for violence? I mean. Or where are you going to put it in a security lockbox, right, at a bank? And you're not storing, you're giving it to somebody else. Bitcoin is actually the only way that you can securely hold your own money. No one else has access to it. And it's yours. It's, I, I will admit, like, there's a, an added level of responsibility there. And if you're not ready for that, um, there are custodial services that can, like, help you hold your Bitcoin securely where it's still yours. And, you know, like, of course, listen to our podcast. We talk about all of this stuff all the time. But I think that if at minimum, if you haven't bought Bitcoin, like, please just go spend 10 bucks on it. Dabble your feet into it and really think, all right, how much could I afford setting aside until April next year in Bitcoin, understanding that the price will go up at minimum five, 10 years from now. And can I just afford setting this money aside? It's one thing in, in, in trading, right? You're trying to make money and get out, right? And go on to the next stock. Yeah, that's how you make money in the stock market. Yeah, but Bitcoin is savings. It's a long-term savings. Think about it. There are projections for Bitcoin to go up to $100,000, a million. Like for me, that's hard to conceptualize in my brain. But we're young. What if in 40 years, just one Bitcoin that today is, you know, not even 30 grand is at 100 grand? What do you have to lose putting aside some money and just saying that's a part of my retirement? Knowing it that the return worth nothing. No. Prove to me that it won't be worth nothing. How can you say with certainty that it won't be worth nothing? This is a this is a new, believe it, call it for the sake of this argument, a currency mm-hmm. that's not backed by a country. So there's no government backing this currency. So who, who backs it? Who says that this thing has value? People who own it. Right. But like, if I'm a government, let's just say I'm the United States government and I don't want people using Bitcoin in my country. Like you can't spend euros in this country, let alone like some new crazy currency that no one controls. Again, you can't even spend Canadian money. Yeah. There's a difference between not real money, but you know, like (laughs) there's a difference between spending that money and being able to hold it as an asset. Okay. So I do think that there are countries that can try to ban the spending of Bitcoin. But if somebody else says, Hey, if you come and mow my lawn, I will give you hundred Satoshis. Do you know like what a, a Satoshi lot. is? I don't know. It sounds like a lot. So, so, to mow grass? A hundred million Satoshis makes one Bitcoin. And you said one Bitcoin was how much? I think today it's around 27,000. 
So a hundred Satoshis is what, like two cents? Yeah, but I'm cutting grass for two cents. Who's doing this? No, someone else is willing to take it for two to do it for two cents. Are there people cutting grass for two hundred for for a hundred Satoshis? Not yet, but the price will go up because I'm still waiting for this like magical reasoning why this this thing is going to be worth more. So let's step out of this Bitcoin discussion and talk about the dollar. What's happening to the dollar? I mean, I'm sure you're going to tell me what's happening to the mm-hmm. dollar, but I don't understand what the dollar has to do with buying this new thing that you're calling Bitcoin. What's the best option for currency today in your mind? The best option for currency? I mean, obviously it's the dollar. It's the dollar. So what's been happening to the value of the dollar? I'm sure there's a there's an answer to that. Like let's talk about your Starbucks order. Okay. What's happened to the price of the drink that you've been ordering over the past few years? Oh, uh, it just keeps going up. All right. So what's that called? Inflation. Yeah. Okay, but so infl- the most powerful currency that you trust and appreciate because governments control it. It been experiencing the most outrageous levels of inflation in the history of the country. I mean, right? that's not the dollar's fault. That's Starbucks. They're just greedy. Okay. So what about the average cost of living? Yeah. Corporations are evil. We should tax them more because they keep raising the prices of everything. What about the price of labor? Price of labor? Mm-hmm. You mean like hourly wages? Well. What people are demanding uh, to be able to. Okay, no, 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 let me turn. No, I mean, I can. Let's go back to money printing. Okay, we're going back to money printing. How many dollars are out there? I have no idea. Nobody knows. I'm, Do you I'm know sure how somebody much Bitcoin knows. will ever exist? I have no idea. 21 million. 21 million Bitcoin today? No, Bitcoin has to be mined. So I believe to date there have been roughly 19 million Bitcoin mined. There's 2 million left and that's going to take about a hundred years because of the, I'll give you one guess. I have no idea. The having. Oh yeah. So while initially when miners were mining for Bitcoin, they would get a lot each time, each block they mined, they would get a ton of Bitcoin. I think today when you mine one block on the blockchain, you get 6.25 6.25 Bitcoin. After the halving, you get half of that. Barely three, three Bitcoin. Okay, but this still. After the next halving, one and a half Bitcoin. After the next one, 0.75 Bitcoin. And it's going to keep going. I, and so. I understand the concept of something divided by two. Okay. Right. But what I still don't understand is who backs Bitcoin? Like, the United States government backs the dollar. What does that mean it, to back the dollar? It means if you do something we don't like, we actually control the dollar. This and is, how do they control the dollar? How do they control the dollar? Mm-hmm. They are the creator of it. It is their... They just print more? I mean, I'm not explicitly talking about printing money. It's that the United States controls the dollar. They control who gets dollars. They control if dollars can and cannot move, right? Like we've... We just uh, we just took a bunch of money from Russia, right? Because Russia started the war in Ukraine, and we like froze their bank accounts. That's because it's the USD, United States dollar. Uh, they control it. 
we control it, right? So with Bitcoin, I'm just trying to understand like who backs it. Like if you do something. No one controls it. It's decentralized. So that's my whole point. Like that's just right for like crime. Like who, who gets to be like. Well, to be clear, cash money can also be used and no one can control that. I mean, right. there's, there's technically some, bills. there's technically somebody in control of that, right? Who's like, in control of it? Of the United States dollar? Mm-hmm. If there's if if I'm holding a thousand dollars in U.S. dollars, cash in your hand, cash in my hands, okay. Basically, any country in the world, won't that get what I want? Uh, with a thousand dollars, sure. But if you had ten thousand dollars, you can't even leave the country with that because- unless I don't report it. I mean, they're going to see it on you. Ah, they are. But what if I had Bitcoin? Okay. I could have Bitcoin and not have anything on me, but I would still be able to access it. Sure. Again, going back to sounds like something criminals want. Why would I buy something that criminals benefit? Like, But criminals benefit from a lot of other things. I will say what helped me understand this is that we're looking at what currency is today, right? But let's go back a few hundred years. How did people buy things? I mean, coins mostly, yeah. I'm assuming. Maybe. And how were the, were those assets frozen? Were those assets frozen? I mean, there was like the great depression and the bank runs. No, I said hundreds of years ago. Oh, hundreds. So you're going to like the founding of America. Before then. Okay. The, the Before the Europeans came to America? I think before central banks. Let's think about that. Okay. I'm, I don't, I don't know the history of central All right. banks. Well, let's just think about the concept of what money is. Okay. It is supposed to help us trade goods and services. Sure. That's what we need money to be. Money has become overcomplicated. And so we've become very comfortable with other entities controlling our money. And I think once we unlearn and kind of get out of this haze of we need that to be secure and you look at the simplicity of Bitcoin, which is, yeah, you can convert your dollars to Bitcoin. It becomes a really strong asset. If you want to exchange money with anyone in the world, if you have their wallet address, you can send them money and they have it there. And it happens almost in, instantly. It's not, there's no big bank fee. There's a small processing fee. That's it. And that's, you're just paying the blockchain. You're, you're, you're tipping the miners that are helping support, maintain the network. It's hard to process. I think because it just removes the need for so many middlemen that currently exists right now. Like, no, 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 no. We need central banks. We need all of those things. We need people controlling the money. We need people pushing the levers. We need people raising interest rates when we're printing too much. And we need all of those things. Why? Why do we need all of those things? I just need something that I can give someone else when I'm trying to pay them for a good or service. That's it. That's the only reason we need money. And I would also like to be able to, I would also like to be able to earn money and store it without having to play some ridiculous game, without having to, you know, buy a house, an investment property, 
or try to start a side hustle or try to um, dabble in the stocks and, and have to follow all of this nonsense about industries that I don't even know. Why? When I see that we have this brand new invention, only 14 years old, that's already growing in value that I could hold as an asset and we're like in at the ground floor. You know, some people bought Bitcoin for like $5 <laughs> and it might seem like, wow, I'm too late. Like, it's just too late. It's almost 30 grand. It's too late. It is going, it is going to be worth so much more in a few years that again, like I feel like as your friend, I need to make the effort one more time to really try to get you to understand this because I think after April, the price is going to shoot up. There's a lot of other stuff happening. We talk about it on the pod. There's a lot of other stuff happening. Um, a lot of wealthy people, it's clicking for them what Bitcoin is. And once they get in, there's not going to be enough Bitcoin to go around. They're going to make Bitcoin more expensive and it's going to be close to impossible for someone like you or someone like me to ever even hold one Bitcoin. But today you can. Um, if you're dabbling in the stocks, if you've made some money during all that stuff, please consider putting it into Bitcoin. Um, I'm not going to say that you convinced me, but you seem pretty uh, convinced yourself that, that this is the way to go. And what I would say is, you know, I've known you for a long time and you've never been this certain about anything. Um, so that, well, yeah, I have a podcast about it. Yeah. I've never seen you do a podcast. Yeah. So like you obviously are, uh, hardcore or, you know, into it that much that you feel like this is something that needs to be explained to everybody. Um, but I just, I just don't, like, I don't see it. Like I, I see, uh, I see a bunch of people who got lucky and got rich and are now trying to convince everyone that they're really smart, that they got this thing early and. Well, like, I didn't get this thing early and I'm not rich. Okay. But, but what I'm saying is like the people who got rich off of this, like mm -hmm. the people you just said who bought it for $5, um, aren't they incentivized to like, why wouldn't they promote this thing? Isn't it just like a Ponzi scheme at that point where the people who got in last convinced the next group of people to buy it so that the price goes up? Like, that's yeah, the, that's a great question. Just, like, I, I was thinking about that too. like a Ponzi scheme. And I think, you know, cryptocurrency is something we haven't talked about yet. So Bitcoin. Yeah, I lost a bunch of money in that stuff. Oh, so you so you dabbled into in crypto, but not Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's all the same, you know, it's not all the same. I had I think I had some. Uh, what was it? XRP. I don't even know what that is. And some Stellar. So what made you buy those? All the stock people were doing it. OK. Right. So it was like, you know, it's like trading stocks and, and uh, they're tickers and it just, you know. How was it sold to you? Cause someone can, someone commit like, look, I, I haven't convinced you, but someone convinced you to do that. Right. I mean, it was in Robin hood. It just, you know, okay. it was there as an option. And people right. were so making it was just like buying it. another stock. Yeah. It was buying another stock. Right. Like it's like, and you're, you've been burned. I mean, I made money in the stocks. You know, I, I don't really understand that crypto stuff. So I lost a bunch of money, but you know, I think the guy's like going to trial now or something. So like, so bringing it back, to Bitcoin, 
Bitcoin is a groundbreaking invention. And like I've said a couple of times, it takes more than a conversation like this to understand it. I actually think it's really interesting. Obviously, you know, my husband is very into it and we would have incredibly interesting conversations about it, but it was, it was hard for me to digest because it, it isn't something that I think can click as easily as we want it to. And so there's so many different layers to it, um, but it's monumentous what Bitcoin is and will be, which is it's going to be the global currency of the world one day. That's the part that I just don't, I don't see any evidence for like, well, there's a country that has already made it its currency. Who? El Salvador. Where is that? (laughs) In Central America. Oh. And look, El Salvador actually wasn't printing its own money. I actually think it's fascinating. El Salvador's currency was the U.S. dollar. It still is one of their forms of currency, right? See, another country using the dollar. Why even have... But it was not serving them because they couldn't control it. And so there are so many countries around the world where the value of their currency just isn't worth anything. And it cannot compete with the dollar. And because of that, they said, we're going to overhaul our whole financial system and we are going to adopt the Bitcoin standard, which means we're going to operate on Bitcoin. And so they've been adopting it. Um, They've been teaching their citizens about Bitcoin. They've been building incentives for businesses, Bitcoin businesses to come and operate there. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening, but it's becoming the Bitcoin hub of the world. And the really fascinating point there is like we as Americans can kind of, it's very easy for us to block all of these problems with the dollar out because we benefit most from the dollar, you know, not counting the insane inflation that we're seeing um, where the value of our dollar is diminishing. Like it feels like by the month, right? It is by the month, but we're just used to, used to hearing that, Hey, it's worth a little less every month and we're, and we're cool with it. But there are other countries that are going to one by one see we we don't need the dollar anymore. We don't control it. People outside of our country control the dollar and they have no incentive to have the dollar benefit us. And they're going to look to Bitcoin as the only option that they have, which is decentralized money. It's just money. No one else can control it. I mean, again, this this sounds good. Like if if um if everyone chooses to do that, or I guess if every, if every government of the world decides to do that, then yeah, it could be the global currency of the world. But the government don't, you don't need government to be involved in this. It would be great <laughs> if they did, but people just need to be involved in it. Look, if you're in a country and the economy is collapsing and you move all of your money into Bitcoin, no matter what happens to your local economy, you're okay. Why? Because your your bank account isn't going to suddenly disappear because the value of your currency has dropped to zero, which is what's happened in some other countries. If there's a revolution overnight, all of a sudden the value of anything and like you just have to leave that country. If you have Bitcoin, you can leave and you don't have to be carrying bars of gold on the way out. You have all of your money with you. And you can go on an exchange, 
convert it to whatever that local currency is, wherever you've landed, if you need to spend the Bitcoin, but you have that Bitcoin to, to be the cleanest conversion rate for you. I mean. And again, you're not going to probably need it in this way, but a lot of people around the world will and are right now. There's wars unfolding as we speak. What's going to happen to the value of the currency in those places? No, I, I understand. I understand what you're getting at. Like war breaks out, currency collapses because of lack of trust of the government, right? Like because the government is the currency. So that's why the currency loses value. But why don't those people just get dollars is my point. Like because dollars their, spend everywhere. Their countries can't control the dollar. Only the United States controls the dollar. Right. But like you're telling me that there's a place where I can exchange a currency that's collapsing for Bitcoin. Immediately. But I can't exchange a currency that's collapsing for dollars. Well, you have to go to an institution to do that. So there's just no dollars. What do you mean there's no dollars? Like who are the people that are going to, for lack of a better term, sell me this Bitcoin? Who are these people? There are exchanges that you can sign up on and you can convert your currency into Bitcoin. And then we recommend you immediately pull it off that exchange and you put it into a private wallet. Okay, that's a lot. But what I'm hearing is that these exchanges will take, you know, what's the latest, what's the latest war? Ukrainian Kronar, right? It's Kronar, I think. Mm -hmm. So the Ukraine war breaks out. Ukrainians take their Kronar and convert it to Bitcoin. Yeah. Based on what it's worth in that moment. But, yeah. But why wouldn't they get euros or dollars? Again, going back to my, my point, it's like, because what if the value of the Euro collapses the next day? Again, or, that's or declines the next day. That's fair. So what you're saying there is there are that, people pulling levers for the Euro. And what if those people mess up that day? Look, I go and let's, let's go talk about, and let's go talk about cryptocurrency. Bitcoin was the invention, right? It's decentralized. Nobody controls it. It was built and it was put out to the, into the world. Um, all of those cryptocurrencies are run like a company. There are people in charge of those cryptocurrencies. They can change the rules on those cryptocurrencies. They do change the rules on those cryptocurrencies. They can decide to put more out. There okay. isn't a limited amount of those cryptocurrencies in the way that Bitcoin is. And those cryptocurrencies can be manipulated. And a lot of those cryptocurrencies, there's a lot of shady stuff happening with them. And, and that's what's unfolding. And that's why a lot of them are going to court and have gone bankrupt. And they've ruined a lot of people's lives. And it's really unfortunate. But I think, you know, you're saying a lot of people who have Bitcoin, they just want to like show how smart they are. You know, Ian always says it's, it is an intelligence to test because it is new and it's hard to, grasp and understand when we've been living under a different model for so long. That's all we're kind of like, we are held prisoner against this current model. And so for us to be presented a different option, it's like, does not compute, right? What do you mean? Nobody controls this money. And you have to, the better question is why does anyone need to control money? I guess I just don't see the problem that Bitcoin is solving. Like we have money. You even said it like, it doesn't really affect me. And so like you're telling me that this, this 
this currency that's, I guess, a decade or so old is more valuable than the dollar that spends everywhere. And like, I don't know anybody who has Bitcoin. So how is that possible? Like everyone knows what the dollar is. Everyone will sell you something for a dollar or a number of dollars. And I just don't see this Bitcoin thing like solving a problem. Like I think a bunch of people, people get rich on stuff all the time. Like doesn't doesn't mean that like that's the thing. It just means that enough people think that's the thing. And what I'm saying is that if 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 Bitcoin is what you say it is, then fine. I'll get some later. Like I'll get some later. But like right now, I think the smart move is to like pile all of my money into things that I understand, like the stock market. And sure, we'll have some ups and downs, you know, but the economy is what it is. And as long as you buy the S&P 500, like you're basically buying the American economy and one of the strongest economies in the world. So like, I understand how that works. Like that has been working for me. And this Bitcoin thing, like I think it's worked for some people, but I don't think that it's an investment. Like Stocks are an investment. Your house is an investment. Your education is an investment. This Bitcoin thing just sounds like, you know, penny stocks, right? Like they're a stock, but they're not like a real company with revenues and customers. They're not a stock. I under, I understand that they're not a stock, but what I'm saying is that people get rich off of penny stocks all the time, right? People have gotten rich off of Bitcoin it may as well be a penny stock if there is no company or anything tangible that back it up. To, to, that it produces right so i'm putting my i'm putting my my money you know it doesn't matter the amount like i worked i earned that money and it doesn't seem to have anything that makes it worth my money i'm just exchanging money for money Okay, in the so, hopes that it goes up, which to me just sounds like, you know, so do you? I could buy a stock. I know what Tesla or Apple right. is going to build and sell. Apple sells a lot of phones at profit. So, what's your retirement plan? I mean, my company has like a. I got a four hundred one k. I got stocks. I got my house. I got life insurance. So, I, what if the stock market collapses, which it has before in our lifetime, several times? Okay. What do you do then? Because there are people who have lost their entire retirement in, in a market crash. And why can that not happen with Bitcoin? Didn't it just collapse like 40 or 80% in the last like year? So like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, it, it you doesn't could, seem you could say to that, but that was a run up because a lot of people were trying to jump in on it. And so I think just like you watch the stocks you have to watch what's going on with Bitcoin because people are going to be reactive and people are going to want to jump in when Bitcoin is, is, is jumping high and all of those things. And I think that there are a lot of people like you, and maybe you did and you don't want to admit you bought Bitcoin when it was really high. No, I mean, I, I did not buy you Bitcoin. Didn't. No, yeah. but good. good. But what I'm saying, all, only point I'm getting at is like, but year after year on average, there's like a, Bitcoin has gone up a hundred percent 
that year was an anomaly. There was a lot that was going on there. Um, but year after year, it's gone up. And the having, there's data that shows that the having is like that marker when it significantly jumps where it significantly jumps up after that, because it's just back to the supply and demand. Aside from that, like I noted, there are a lot of like wealthy people and entities that are jumping in on Bitcoin. There are um, BlackRock, for example. Do you know who BlackRock is? They're like a hedge fund or something. So they're like the biggest one <laughs> in the world. Sure, sure, sure. And their clients are like the most wealthy people. Um, they are about to offer Bitcoin as an option for them to buy into. Okay. So, so you know, I, I'm sure that impresses you, but I think um, people are catching on to this. And I do feel this urgency that time is about to run out. And look, I understand everything that you're saying. I just think that if you are interested in putting your money somewhere where it's going to work for you, I think traditionally we were told growing up that you have to make your money work for you. You have to invest it, make the right decisions. You have to diversify. You have to do all those things, right? Yeah, that's what smart people do. That's what smart people did. Bitcoin didn't exist when those principles were being laid out for us because it's really hard to accept that something so new is happening and we can get in on it. Look, I I get that you're really passionate about this and this is great. And, you know, I hope it works. I'm not that passionate about this. It's become a no brainer to me. Ian's very passionate about it. But I don't think that it needs to just be something that Bitcoiners get to enjoy. I think that we have to talk about it enough to the point that it's easy to talk about and it's easy to digest and it's easy to explain to other people. Look, I know you're doing well. I know that you're not strapped for cash, but not everyone in our lives are. So imagine you being able to have this conversation with your other friends or your family members who might not have a solid retirement plan. Why not make yourself more knowledgeable so that you can help other people figure out a long-term financial plan for themselves where they, they're not going to be maybe destitute when they are elderly because that's the reality for a lot of people. And Bitcoin is this rare opportunity where you can get in really early and you can just sit and you can actually build maybe generational wealth for your children and your grandchildren. And I know saying that sounds crazy, but I'm not going to be able to convince you of this in, in, in one conversation, but I hope you don't think that I'm a ridiculous person that would just be saying these things because I got rich and I want you to get rich too. I have not gotten rich. <laughs> it's my retirement plan. Bitcoin's my savings, but no, I'm not buying low and selling high. Bitcoin can hit a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow and, and we wouldn't sell because that only means it's even going to go higher. Like I said, you seem really passionate about this and you know, I'll keep my eye on it. You know, obviously the fact that you have some of it, and have, you've been talking about this for a while. So you've had some of it for a while. 
Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're, you're crazy. I just think that it's not as guaranteed as you present it. Could you buy 50 bucks? Do you know how to buy Bitcoin? Yeah. on one of those exchanges or something. I would recommend the strike app. I can give you a link for it. And I think it'll give you like 10 free bucks to oh, buy Bitcoin with I it. Oh, I see what it is. I see what it is. You just <laughs> yeah, want, you just I just want, want to get me the, the, you know, the referral fee. No, no, no I, hold up. But you I, said they're going to give me 10 free dollars. Yeah. They're not going to give me Bitcoin. No, you can use that to buy Bitcoin. But notice how they gave me dollars and not Bitcoin. I know. I think those are the constraints that they're in operating and like the existing uh, reality of the financial system. So they're not allowed to give me Bitcoin, which is controlled by nobody. But you have they- to buy your own Bitcoin. That's the whole point of Bitcoin. I mean, honestly, babe, like, I know you're like a super overachiever. I'd give you like a C plus. All right. So what points would you have not made first? Um, I mean, my biggest critique is that you just dove right into the having. And while I understand that the having is something that you have internalized and you, if you understand nothing about Bitcoin, you definitely understand the, the pricing pressure that the having produces. Mm -hmm. And that usually is like a, like the most technical piece of Bitcoin that people will grasp. Yeah. They're like, whoa. Right. So like, but you, I don't think you should jump right in Mm -hmm. to the having as like your, you got to get in before this thing. Right. It seems like you're creating a false time constraint, Mm -hmm. which is what Ponzi schemes and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all those other things that are scams do. So like it just has a it has a scammy vibe when you start with the having, <laughs> right? Um, the other thing that I would say is like you know, and this is just like practice. Like I was I was listening to you. Like I think you were trying to do a really good job, and I was listening to you try to do a really good job. And it is hard. Like I always say, it's like it's hard to know where to start, right? It's very hard yeah. to know where to start, and and that's why for me, um, you know, you. I tend to start with a question that is not um, that you kind of want to know the answer to, even if you don't know the answer. Right. So like when you say, do you know what the having is? It's like, I don't know. And I probably don't care. Right. But if you ask the question, like, do you know what the most counterfeited money in the world is? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. I might be intrigued to just learn that fun fact. Right. Because I understand money. And then you tell them it's the United States dollar Mm -hmm. and they go, huh? And then that leads you into, well, there's, you can counterfeit it with like a printer in your basement Mm -hmm. or you can do it legally. Mm -hmm. And that gets you into the concept of money creation Mm -hmm. and how they can create as much money as they want, whenever they want. Mm -hmm. And that gets you into the conversation of what you started with was, was inflation, which is like, I said, like these corporations keep raising the prices. But if you start from, if you take those steps that I just described, then you've already kind of cut off that talking point of like big corp being greedy, right? Because you lay the groundwork that like the government, these big corporations are just using the same money you are. (laughs) Have you ever successfully had that argument? I mean, that right there is what I talk to all the Uber drivers with. That is my like tried and true thing. Like Uber drivers, you get in a car, 
They're they're usually like interesting. But they're not the yuppie elite. No, but what I'm saying is like you were asking if I ever had ever been successful. Oh, okay. like, yeah, I, yes. I, yeah, I met with the yuppie elite. No, I have not been successful with the yuppie elite, <laughs> yeah. no matter what angle yeah. I take. Um, and they're all different degrees of yuppie elite. Um, and and like I try to play that part, which is like I'm happy for the people who have Bitcoin. I'm happy for the people who uh, have you know possibly changed their lives by buying Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But like you do see that in a lot of other things like you saw that in Beanie Babies, like some people, even though we know it was a bubble that popped, some people got rich. Same thing with every bubble, like not everyone loses in a bubble. Mm -hmm. Some people get out a little too early before the top, but they all benefit. Um, And so for me as like, I would say like the, the big thing for the yuppie elite is like they are secure, like they feel secure in their position so they don't think that they need to be looking for alternatives to what they're currently doing, right? And that is always, you you got there, which is what I think, you know, B minus C plus Ooh. is like you- <laughs> It's going you, up. You got to the point of like, that is the old way of doing things. Like you are preparing for the future, the old way of doing mm-hmm. things. And for someone who kind of presents themselves as like, I'm very successful, so I must know how things work. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, statistically, people who do things the way that I've done that I'm currently doing things have been successful. Right. So like if you're a person who says I'm doing the right thing, wouldn't you want to know the next best For thing? All your options. Right. And so that I thought like you you got there with that pretty well. Um Yes. But you just the starting with the having. Like, honestly, like it just felt very scammy. Okay. Um, what and was it the always best feels thing scammy. I did? Was that the best thing I did? Yeah, I think. Like I what think, moments were you like this, my girl? I mean, I think the, the, the point that I just made, which is you were focusing on what you're doing is the old way of doing things. And that is, even if you are successful and your father was successful, your father was successful the same way. He bought multiple real estate properties and rented them out and you just either kept running those or borrowed against those and bought more and kept it going, right? Like that worked for dad. It's working for me. That being said, and we've had this conversation with um, one couple who like has an Airbnb or at least trying to do an Airbnb or something like that. It's like these other things, if you, if you actually break it down mathematically, it's more work for less money especially if you've been doing those things over the last 14 years, anybody who's been like an Airbnb host. I was waiting for you to say, I also own property, but you never brought that persona. In. I mean, you could ask the question, yeah. um, but the point is, is like that, that angle is, I think the strongest angle against the yuppie elite. And like we talked about, I don't know, an episode or two ago, this guy, British Hoddle, like he's talking to the, successful yuppie elite Mm -hmm. the i have a million dollars in property Mm -hmm. yuppie elite right i i own a property portfolio yuppie elite that's how dad did it that's how i'm doing it and his whole pitch which is what when i heard him start doing this it was like that is the angle i'm going to take with those people from now on like it's not the angle i would take with a a, with a uber driver Mm -hmm. right because I understand Uber drivers have usually come from a different country and understand a currency failing. Yeah. And so you can have that conversation, especially if you bring up Lebanon, because like it seems like every Uber driver, no matter where they're from, is watching what's going on in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. 
don't know why it always clicks, but like the yuppie elite don't know what the hell's going on in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. They don't know that people are robbing banks to get their money back in Lebanon because the government, the government turned off their bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know that. And if you tell them that they're just going to be like, well, yeah, isn't that like a crazy, like third world place that like crazy stuff happens in third worlds all the time. Like, they're- you know, um, just to bring it back to America, uh, I'm not going to say the details because I just skimmed the article, but there is a group of students at a very prestigious Ivy school that put out a letter about the Israel Gaza conflict. I don't know what stance they took. Um, then the head of a hedge fund said that they want the names of all of the people who issued that letter to have them blacklisted. And all of these other companies have come out and said, yes, we want to blacklist all of these students. Um, so it's, you know, it's becoming this whole discussion about free speech and that. But okay, you support something that other people don't like and you get blacklisted, whatever that means. Sure. This person is saying blacklisted from future hiring because he's saying we don't want to hire people who think this way. But I mean, there you go. Like you think you can't get canceled, but you can. Unless you can prove it. I'm allowed to not hire you for you saying something that I don't like. Now, if I explicitly say that's why I didn't hire mm-hmm. you, then then I got a problem. Yeah. But. Oh, no, no, right? no. So like, I'm, I'm not in disagreement with that. I'm saying other companies are jumping on now that that sure. company has made that public statement being like us do us do us do. So what's stopping their bank from finding out that they issued that they, you know, sent this letter and look, saying, yeah, look, we don't want them associating. We froze their account. Look, this is this has already been happening. Um, and I'll be honest on this point. Like if there's if there's anything about my Bitcoin journey that I will like look back on and just have like a complete like what's the line? Are we the baddies? I don't know if you That's know this. That's not a line. It's a me- it's a meme. It's oh, a meme. Yeah. Um, but it's like he I forget this I forget the movie or the show, or whatever, but basically the guy like are we the bad, like, are we the bad guys? But he's baddies are like hot girls. <laughs> yeah. But in, it's like a British thing, right? Oh, okay. okay I think okay. it's hot fuzz or something. Are I forget. Anyway. So like I had that moment and not so much like, are we the bad guys? Cause I wasn't particularly involved in it, but one of the things, and this is the point that you're kind of getting at is like, they can come for you. Even if you think you're not like a famous popular person or you're doing something good, like who, good is subjective. Yeah. It's subjective. You, you think it's good. Yeah. So, but this is my point is that the, the, the Canadian trucker protest, like, first of all, the running joke about Canadians is that they're polite. So like the fact that can Canadians were protesting was also like, just kind of like a sideshow of its own. But this wasn't one of those like uh, mostly peaceful protests. This was a peaceful protest and they were protesting the government mandating that they inject something into their body and they came for them. Like the literally the Canadian government changed the laws so that they could go after these people and turn off their bank accounts and like basically de-citizen them. And if you had told me that Canada was going to do that 10 years ago, at no point would my brain have even allowed me to consider the idea that the Canadian government, the 
oh, hey, hoser Canadian government was going to go after peaceful protesters. That just doesn't. The Canadian government has done other bad things. I'm not saying they haven't <laughs> done bad things, but they had an image. This is, I'm not mm. saying that they're good or bad. I'm saying they had an image where I could not even fathom the idea of the Canadian government doing that to peaceful protest. Like, again, the peaceful part is almost the most important part. And I watched that protest happen. Like, and everything that unfolded, and I just was like, well, if it can happen in Canada. Well, do you see yourself as the yuppie elite? I think without Bitcoin, I am the yuppie elite. Yeah, because I think the yuppie elite would hear that story and be like, yeah, but that wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be in a situation when the government tries to control me. No, 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 no. Like, uh, this, this is the point where I'm saying, like, this is why I wanted to tell this particular, like, uh, uh anecdote is that even as I had Bitcoin and I was understanding what Bitcoin was about and I was understanding some of the core points of it, especially the financial core points of it, I didn't really understand that like, oh, this doesn't even matter about what Bitcoin's worth. Like if you can't protest in democracies, then you don't live in a democracy. And if you don't live in a democracy, then Everything is fair game, right? Like they might put a facade over it and make it seem legal, which is what Canada did, right? They pulled out these emergency powers and was like, oh no, like militants are storming the Capitol. Um, and they went out there and they beat people with horse. It was crazy, right? But what Canada proved was like, forget what they say. They do not have anything close to representative government. They don't. No country does. No country does. But you know, but I, I think like I think the yuppie elite want to believe that democracy is real. Right, and this is my point: is that because you haven't read the article, I know you haven't read the article because like (laughs) you would not be making that statement. The whole point of the article of the yuppie elite is that the yuppie elite still trust the system. Yeah, they trust the system. So until you can break that trust, they're never going to consider a thing. So maybe that's like, that's, but that's where, my, the art, where the conversation has to start, which is like, how do you feel about the current financial system? But I think and it's then like kind of chipping away at like where their vulnerabilities are. That's why the, that's why I think the like counterfeit thing is, is a good place because you hear the word counterfeit, think wrong, bad, illegal. Somebody needs to stop it, right? And then you explain that the people who do that are the federal government. You like you have to stick that wedge in there to break that trust and say the number one counterfeiters in the world is the United States government. What else would they do? <laughs> like if they're willing to you understand that counterfeiting money is bad, you can't do it. Why do these people have the power to do it? Once you break that trust and this is what what the whole thing is about is that they, the article is about is that they trust the system. You have to break their trust with the system any way you can. And for me, the whole COVID two and a half year lockdown, like whatever trust I had remaining in the system is like gone. And anybody who came out of that still having trust in the system, they are the yuppie elite. Like if you still trust the system after the Canadian protesters and everything else that's gone on in the past couple of years, then 
yeah, you're not looking for an alternative. You're not trying to figure out how to protect yourself from the next series of bad decisions these people might make. And one of those series of bad decisions that they continually make is printing money. You're not looking for a way to protect yourself from these people. You see them as protectors. And on that angle, I think it's very hard. It's very hard because unless they have aggressed directly against that person or that person's family, they just don't see it. And Bitcoin, I think, because I had Bitcoin and I was listening to what the Bitcoiners were saying on the the social side of things, when I saw that Canadian protest go down, that was like my my flip my flip my that that was when my switch flipped. Do you think maybe the next persona is more of like the activist who is trying to rage against the system? I think the activist is a good one. Um, because you know, or like the 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 keyboard warrior. I mean, yeah, they're they're yeah, I mean, they're less productive than activists. But like, no, I think I think like the activist group of going out there and protesting and thinking that we're going to work within the system to get this change versus with Bitcoin, you just opt out of their system completely. And if enough of us opt out of their system completely, like that's the ultimate protest Mm -hmm. and you don't have to organize on a Saturday to do it. You just do it a little bit every day, right? Like you just do, you just opt out of the system a little bit every day. And I will say that's how it kind of feels. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the thing that I'm, I just, I think about a lot as the having is approaching and the, the, the math of it all is starting to kick in. It's like, what at what point are you like fully out of the system right like hypothetically they say i think nowadays it's like five to ten million dollars to retire if you retire with dollars you're still kind of attached to the system you're still attached to all the the downsides of that system a stock crash real estate crash right or even the rules around pulling your money out. exactly versus if you have five million dollars in bitcoin and you basically, like I have, internalized that this is only going to appreciate definitely every four years. So every four years, if you don't touch it, you'll have more spending power than you did four years prior. If you can just live within your means for that four years, the appreciation on the Bitcoin opts you out the system. If, if, you, if you can't outspend it, right, as more people are figuring it out, if you can't outspend it, at what point are you just actually out and you just live your life and live within your means for the rest of your life? Like, I don't know what that number is, but I hope someone in the Bitcoin community is like working on a formula. Like they have all these retirement formulas, right? Like we need that Bitcoin formula that says, if you need to make this amount of money, you have this amount of income per month, per year, Based on Bitcoin's appreciation and yada 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 yada, right? Like, I don't feel like that math is going to hold up a, like five years from now because just everything is insanely more expensive than it was a year ago, and I have a feeling it's just going to keep happening. Yeah, but I'll tell you a secret: it'd be hard for me to like do the math to figure out how much more we've spent on stuff because of inflation from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that Bitcoin has covered us. What I'm saying is that. I would say that we are at a point now where 
we are escaping inflation, right? But the number of Bitcoin you need to escape inflation should go down over time. I think that's another persona that we need to tackle, like people who are living paycheck to paycheck. Do you love me the same amount or more now that we've recorded this episode? Same amount? Why would I love you more? Because I just argued for Bitcoin. You got you got a B minus C plus. Like, that doesn't garner more love. I I need A's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Especially, especially when it comes to, to Bitcoin. Tiger dad over here. Especially when it comes to Bitcoin. But it, it's it'll take time. It'll take time. No, I, For I mean, you to love me more. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, I thought you love me more every day. I buy a little bit of Bitcoin every day. So you love me more every day. I don't know. I or you love Bitcoin I, more. Every I guess day. I buy a little bit of you every day too. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. You, you buy in. <laughs> yeah. You a little investment. Yeah, yeah. Just compliment me, damn it. Oh, I know. You're you're fishing. <laughs> you're great. You're great. Um, no, it's uh, it was a good it was a good exercise, good idea. And we identified a couple more personas out of it. And yeah, I think just don't start with the having. It sounds creepy. All right. Maybe one day we'll try this again. We could do it, you know, once. Deal, babe. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first sats, which are fractions of the Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.